Welcome to She Been Ready, the podcast. She Been Ready is a conversation, a declaration, and a clarification that Black women have always led. On this podcast, I, Dr. Wendy Williams, educator, psychologist, leader, and auntie, will be joined by Black women who lead and those who have been led well by them. So, you don't have to get ready when you stay ready, and you can trust in the leadership of a Black woman because she's been ready. I do believe strongly that for any of the refusal practices that we would develop, it you first need to know what you're working with, right? So for how can, so we've, we've unveiled some of this, we've talked about some of these things in terms of like the psychology of whiteness, white people and systems and systems that are promoting that system of domination and, and superiority versus other groups. How can black women in academia use this knowledge I would say it would be to first cultivate or to develop the psychological boundary. Mm-hmm. That would be a form of refusal. Mm-hmm. How do we translate all of our analysis, right? To sister friend who has to go into the faculty meeting tomorrow. Yeah. How does she, how do we do that? Knowing it puts us in the position of power that we need to be sitting in. So when you hear the foolishness, you just don't say anything. Mm-hmm. Don't try to put your body in harm's way. Like you're going to, I'm going to save the program or I, because believe me, by the time it gets to the meeting, <laughs> it's us, there's been the meeting before the meeting, before the meeting mm-hmm. that this initiative perhaps has already been decided in some ways. I'm not saying that it cannot be swayed with strong data and a strong argument. But for the most part, we may feel, particularly if it has something related to diversity, mm-hmm. that we need to put our bodies in harm's way. Yeah. But I think remembering how systems work yeah. and remembering how people have allegiance to systems that are often fundamentally anti-Black will put us in an opportunity that we can pause. Mm. And this is what's been helpful for me, my pause, mm-hmm. my meditation, my praying, to pause and let others talk about it, see where it goes. And if it's still on the table and it comes back around again, then maybe you speak. But I think we go in and it's Wendy is what you said and Miriam too, you alluded to having to like show your worth. I'm here, I'm worthy, I'm smart. No, when you understand how systems work, you don't put your your heart and your mind and your body on the line like that all the time. I wanna just lift up the strategy inside of what you just said to Yoli for folks, because I think that there are ways of thinking about and watching the ways that, that people who understand how to work with power know how to use their power. Mm. Okay. So you said something really interesting and uh, for folks who are listening, this is a really, really important way of navigating situations where you don't throw your body on the line. And that is, to not be the first to speak in defense for something that you want. Don't show your cards. Yes. If it were spades or poker, you just keep holding them. People do not need to know what you got over here. Hold it. Not because you're going to win or whatever, right? But you're really not if you're going to go flat out and just give it all out in the beginning. You, one of the ways that people diminish their authority and the weight of their seat is by being the first to fly off of it with their mouth open. Ooh. Mm. 
And sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes what can happen around a table is if you hold your seat, people begin to get curious about what you need or would want to say. And that is a different positionality from which to be speaking because then you have attention. Mm. You don't necessarily have attention and you can't beg people for attention. They must want to understand. They must want to be curious about you or they must be curious about you to want to hear what you're going to say or what you might say. So if you spend it too fast, you may, you cheapen your word, you cheapen your standpoint and your position. And that's Yoli, what you were describing is that, that is what that is. So people get tired and, and get wise in those situations or burn themselves out. But if they settle in to the role and like, I'm going to be here and I'm going to be able to, you know, if I stay, I can create the way out of no way. Cause I think Mary and what you were saying before about like mentors who wanted you to stay it's because we know that if we can work it well then we actually can create more opportunity possibility for many others but we have to know how to be in there in a way that really preserve where we're preserved in the space now we got to hold your and so holding your power is one of those i just want to like lift it up as that's a strategy Wow, And that is a refusal strategy in the moment that doesn't diminish any of your power and isn't about you fighting everybody. Right. But you are refusing to participate in that in that little thing. You are not a playground fighter. Right? Wow, Wendy, thank you for that. <laughs> There's something about intuition mm-hmm. and about watching our mothers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You just put language. What I was just saying is really what I've learned. That's right. And paying attention to my gut, like loving myself and trusting myself enough to trust my inner voice and my gut Mm -hmm. to respond. But how I move, much of that I learned from my mother. Absolutely. Thank you for lifting that up. Absolutely. Well, I think we've got to, we have to remind ourselves to stay connected to ourselves, right, in our communities. And we can talk about history and all the ways in which, right, um, that's taken, that has been taken from us, right, in terms of um, just thinking about, like, migration and and mm-hmm. how my mother's generation, right, lived closer together than now, you know, families are sort of spread apart mm-hmm. get yeah. into all of that. But I think um, yeah. as we talk about the boulders and the marbles, et cetera, right, the strategy for me also is ensuring very intentionally that we have the space so that we can be reminded of what we've learned others and the other black women around us because if we're busy you know trying to kick the marble out of the way and push the boulder up the hill and all the you know and and navigating all the other demands in front of us Mm -hmm. we'll we'll miss it right if we just continue to try to put our heads down and keep going Uh you'll miss it and that's where wendy i think as you alluded to earlier the kinds of strategies that folks may adopt are more health compromising right Uh, are more uh you know sacrificial in some ways Mm -hmm. And so that for me, it has been a really important piece are the spaces and places being able to intentionally, one strategy um, that I learned watching two black women faculty members is like, put it on your calendar, it's a meeting. You have meetings, you have to have meetings. So let me put a meeting on the calendar with Yoli, right? We're gonna discuss this, but, yes. but I also know, right? That that's my community, that's my validation, but it's in my calendar because it's essential. It's not, I'm gonna catch Yoli on the way home for five minutes before, it's right. It has to be there because it's a necessary part of me being able to navigate this space that I, I can I can look forward to that meeting, not have to reactively try to find a meeting. Right. Wow. So how it is that we, um, again, sort of construct our weeks and our time and make that a priority is essential. 
to how you navigate these systems. And that is something that I learned explicitly. So I had my, you know, in those other spaces, my group chat, like, I'm, and I called it the, you know, I, I'm not crazy with my mantra. Like, I'm not crazy. Like to not internalize. Mm-hmm. And I would send messages, right, to the folks that knew me well and could remind me of what I knew about systems. Because for me, the most powerful, I say this to pe- uh, people of color all the time, Black women too, right? Of all the things that I've learned and is, you know, that have been impactful for me, learning about whiteness and for me learning specifically about white racial identity theory gave me the blueprint to understand people and white people, right, in terms of their development as well as systems and whiteness, right, more of white supremacy in ways that I, to apply it, right, so that I don't put my body in harm's way. Like, I don't have to, in terms of decision making in this meeting, this person has no knowledge, clue, awareness. I'm not going to expend my energy trying Mm -hmm. to convince them. Maybe if I'm, if you're welcome, as Wendy said, maybe after this meeting, I'll send you an article. And maybe, maybe. Right? Well. But I'm not going to expend my energy there, right? I mm-hmm. am being intentional about how it is I show up when I speak, you know, to Wendy, to your point, not the same as just remaining silent. Mm-hmm. It is, again, recognizing if you're coming out the gate, A, that may be what folks want and anticipate, and then you, yeah. your energy is gone. That's right. 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 So understanding Yoli, as you said, for me, it's kind of like, I can see you, I can see this coming. I can see you come. I can predict this right. 12 miles away. And so I'm prepared, right. To preserve me right in in the moment um, in that system. So we have to lift up the, so these are the refusal practices. One Mm -hmm. reason I'm doing this on purpose is because Mm -hmm. people are like, what do you mean by refusal? I was going to quit my job. I'm like, maybe that's one, maybe, (laughs) but one is to actually reclaim your time. So Miriam, you talked about folks in the beginning, you know, your experience of like, they just wanted unfettered access. You let's fetter the access. (laughs) I'm busy. Um, And I'm busy with something that serves me and supports and supports my work. While I'm at work, I'm not doing these happy hours or having people on the phone, these, all these late hours and they're tired and I'm tired too. I'm going to just set boundaries inside of the set time boundaries to do and get what I need from colleagues. Mm-hmm. Um, that consultation is what a colleague and I used to call it all the time. I, said, I need a consultation, you know, and we would have a consultation around how to navigate a system and a structure, which is was work related. Yeah. Um, I would also want to lift up another way of thinking about refusal, which is we got to find out the source, like who's kicking that barrier, who's kicking that marble, that rock down the boulder down the road, who's, where's this coming from? Mm-hmm. It might be important to, you know, when, when a unidentified flying object comes out, we don't just toss it out. We actually bring it into the lab and try to figure out, well, where'd this come from? And right. I think that part of it is to, you know, response reaction. There's a, there's a loss of power and energy exerted into that rather than be like, Hmm, somebody brought something over here. You brought this over here. Did you mean to, for me to have it? Or do you want to have it, you know, and have that exploratory conversation uh, with people. And that's actually, for me, it's another type of refusal because it's making the implicit explicit for mm-hmm. people who are doing implicit things and calling it implicit bias that they're doing on purpose and explicitly. So I just want to name these as again, it's like, these are the types of strategies. It's not because it stops the behavior, but what it does is it disrupts the automaticity of the behavior and the taken for granted idea that this is the culture that we're in. Well, let's look at the culture. Like sometimes we can just look at the culture. Um, But I do realize too, that we've all been socialized in it because we go to school in it. And then as Mm -hmm. black people in academia, we go into the workforce in it. And I think that it's in that, that we've learned to subvert and to be subservient to this thing, to put our heads down and get by, to get the degree. 
And then we're still in that posture when we go get a job. And we don't realize, I don't think, just how much they need us to be there. Mm. They really do. Wendy, I'm having a meta moment, Wendy and Miriam, like a moment of thinking about this moment that we're in. And Wendy, the uh, this is an idea I have that I think would be so powerful. Like your book, Refusal mm. and Recovery, matched with She Been Ready podcast episodes is a course. Gorgeous. It can be an asynchronous course. Miriam, look, Miriam's like, I told her that five years ago. Okay, so I'm so glad I didn't know it. And I'm having this meta moment. Yes, universe. Come on, universe. That's all I'm saying. Of course, asynchronous, have people sign in, buy the book, then listen to this podcast, do these exercises. And this is a form of healing. It is. A form of passing on this and practicing Mm -hmm. this wisdom so that we can pass it on in a very different way that is not theoretical, yes. but it's all based on- I it. have already said yes to the universe. You need to know I'm working know. on it. But Miriam oh, is always in my yeah. face about You said it. this, Miriam, tell she me. Has. Tell she me she like has, she has, she has. In almost those exact words, right? In those exact words. <laughs> yes. Indeed. No, I, I agree. Let me, I'm going to tell a story about you. My research is uh, focused on black girls and I interview in a variety of things. And one of the most powerful conversations and findings, right, for me was listening to adolescent black girls in ninth grade mm-hmm. talk about how of all the folks around them, how they learn to prioritize themselves or not right, to take care of themselves or not was based on what they saw from the Black women around them. Even if those relationships weren't, they were like at 99.9, of the time. And what they then said to me was, in looking at the Black women, right, in our families, our aunts, our moms, our you know neighbors, whomever it is, we see them not taking care of themselves. And so even if we know that we maybe need to do something different, we're likely just gonna do what they did. Mm. So the course is necessary to disrupt yes. sort of generations that have been internalized. Like have we integrated, you know, think about integration and folks have been trying to survive these systems and they may have been the first and the onlys, et cetera. It requires some disruption for us as well. And so I think they're necessary conversations and strategies to your point. Like, how do we do this? Because that's what I hear, right? From my colleagues and peers is like, I just need somebody to help me understand how to do this. And so that we don't end up as casualties, right? Um, Especially as it pertains to our health and wellness. Because I was interviewing, you know, these these, uh, young girls for years. I just do, I loved it, right? Mm -hmm. But that was so powerful to me because it was just like, listen, we looking at y'all. Mm-hmm. This is how we gonna learn what to do with that, how to prioritize our health, our physical health, our mental health, et cetera. And what what we are not seeing is the black women before that. us. They are not taking care of themselves mm-hmm. in ways, right? And we may learn different things or hear mm-hmm. different things um, mm-hmm. from folks about what we need to be doing, but we're paying we're paying attention to black women. So as we are actually doing generations, right. yes, right. yes. Right. So yeah. yes. Your research, but just a quick testimony is I began meditation a few years ago, back in 2018, going to a a 10 day noble silence retreat. And, you know, I try to introduce my daughter to yoga. She sees me practice. She sees me meditating. And I'm saying, nah, nah, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. She goes off to college. This is her first semester. Guess what one of her classes is? Meditation. 
meditation. <laughs> good for her. Hashtag. And good I'm for mom. I'm making correlations and causations. I'm making all kinds of connections, but I do know yeah. that influenced. Absolutely it did. Absolutely yeah. it did. So, yeah. so we've been lifting up some of the refusal and recovery strategies. Are there that are just coming through our storytelling and our sharing? Are there some explicitly? Well, what maybe this is how we will close ourselves out in a way. Tell me your favorite refusal strategy. What do you do? What do you use? Have you shared it already? And if you've shared it already, that's fine. Um, I've got a couple. Oh, hey, yes. <laughs> what, I back to, what I want to go back to okay. this earlier is um, I think you only use the language of like confrontate, like confronting your mm -hmm. colleagues, heard them talking about you. And, mm -hmm. and when you alluded to it as well. So I want to uplift that as well in terms of the disruption is it's when we, when we're able to um, speak to, right, the ways in which folks around us attempt to slight us or talk about us. And just to sort of say like, I heard that. Wendy, I think your example was, you know, well, what is this, right? Yeah. You want it? it, that for me, absolutely. It sort of um, lets folks know, puts people on notice, right? As my mom might yes, say, yes, people on yeah. notice, right? That I see this, I see you. Yes. Right. It, yes, they will have a reaction. Yes, you very much so need to prepare yourself for what may come afterwards, right? And sure. what we just talked about. Nevertheless, the silence, mm. right? can often um, work in, in ways that mm -hmm. it sort of colludes with what's mm -hmm. attempted. And so mm -hmm. our ability to say, I, what is this? Yes. I see this. I heard you. Yeah. Versus just to sit with that and internalize it and to sit with the pain of it is mm -hmm. a refusal strategy. That's one for mm -hmm. me. The other is, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of rhetoric and sort of talk around, you know, just showing up as our authentic selves. But let me give a very specific example. Mm -hmm. um, my voice has always been my voice, right? You can, stories about me as a child. In other words, like this very, people will say they have a very direct, right, kind of voice. And I remember being in like a leadership development program my early career, um, mm -hmm. another woman of color who's like, you know, when I give presentations, I try to have just a lighter sounding voice because I know the stereotypes of black women and I don't want to make anyone feel, this is who I am. And so the ability, right, for me, it's it's to show up and to speak directly. And I, you know, I, I share this in my, you know, psych of women classes, right, for all, you know, thinking about all the things. But for me, um, the, the unapologeticness of like, this is my voice, this is who I am, this is what I have to say. And there's no way I'm going to shift, right, the intonation of my voice or the statements, right, in an effort to um, make you more comfortable. Mm. in that regard and that takes a level of intentionality because we're very much so right um critically aware of the stereotypes about black women and and do find ourselves right in certain ways or maybe have had to in certain ways right uh, across our lives um find ourselves in moments where we may shift and so for mm -hmm. me being committed to myself mm -hmm. and knowing myself also means you're just gonna have to be uncomfortable with what i just said mm. right? Because right. the discomfort in the tone of my voice is about you, right? Right. Right. So that, yeah, that I will never forget that because I was like, I'm not doing that. Make when my voice that, Yeah, that's crazy. But when you say, when you say prepare yourself to live with the consequences, mm -hmm. there are also big consequences yes. and prices to pay yes. when you have disappointment in yourself for not showing up for yourself. Oh. I don't know about you, but that is, it's always it's a longer term yes. feeling. Absolutely. 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 Is there a psychological term? so much better than me. 
is something that my best friend said. I'm sorry. No, I was saying what makes you, one of my best friends uh, years ago said to me, you have to think to yourself, what makes you so much better than me? So as we think about, again, um, the discomfort, right? Is your silence and, and you living with your own, right? Through the consequences of your own discomfort, why would you prioritize the feelings of someone else, over you. right? Over your own and not okay. think, right? That there are consequences to you, Wendy, to your point, right? Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. showing up differently or, or acquiescing, right? To make someone else comfortable. So it is also recognizing that there's a consequence mm -hmm. to you and asking yourself, like, why would I do this in the service of others who, again, by design, are not, they have no regard or have little regard, mm -hmm. right? For me. See, I, I would call that like, uh, and this is nodding to Patricia Williams, certainly, and Bettina mm -hmm. Law, about spirit killing and murdering that happens in schools, but mm -hmm. is that a self-inflicted kind of spirit murdering? And I'm wondering, is there a psychological term um, that comes to mind about when people do that, when they put others before them or they shrink, you know, they shrink so that others can maintain whatever status they feel that they have, or is it just straight up fear? I think fear is probably the motivator. I'm, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'm thinking of like martyring yourself for others, mm -hmm. but I think that that's still a little bit different because yeah. with martyring, there's some, something you get out of it in terms of being seen as the person who sacrificed. I'm not sure, Miriam, if you, do you, I don't know of a psychological term for that. Terminal. I think I'm with you. For me, I'm, I'm more looking at kind of the origins, which again, for me, kind of come back to this, you know, internalization um, mm. kind of systems. And it is, you know, it's kind of like uh, you begin, yes, ultimately devaluing yourself, right, in the service of others. But for me, it's the origins, right? And the motivators may be around, well, but yeah. yes, the fear of, well, if I don't do this, what are they going to do? But that's all, right, prioritizing someone else. So for me, I, I conceptualize it, sort of thinking about um, the sense of self, right, mm. and identity. Um, and for folks who are not connected, right, haven't defined for themselves, right, who they are, Mm -hmm. um, then they're vulnerable and really access to internalizing, right? All of the um, impositions, right? Mm -hmm. Perspectives and attitudes and beliefs of others, which we know are certainly steeped, right? And mm -hmm. gendered and, and racial stereotypes as we think about black women in particular. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So it sounds like, like know thyself mm -hmm. and also love thyself. Yes. Love thyself. I, I love myself. I'm, I'm not going to be doing this. No. Myself. Um, yeah. yeah. To offer my... Um, what comes to mind is depending on where you are, like let's say if you're an assistant professor, you might not feel mm -hmm. so strong in saying no mm -hmm. because the system really wears down on you so much. It's hard to say no. But what I did learn how to say early was not now. Mm. Thank you so much for thinking of me, but that wouldn't be good right now because I am X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm at a different straight, I just straight up say no. Mm -hmm. right? Here's the thing. The requests are going to keep coming. That's correct. It's going to keep coming. So when you know yourself and you value yourself and you love yourself, you don't feel like, oh, I better say yes, because I might not get an opportunity to show all of this. So for those who are not very comfortable for various reasons and you feel you can't say no right away, say not now. Mm -hmm. And let that be the path to saying no. And the other thing um, I'm thinking about this refusal and recovery is really what a lot of what we talked about when we talked about systems, I talk a lot about archaeology of self, but we need to perform archaeology on institutions. Yes. yes. And I think if we can have that practice, 
Mm -hmm. engaging in archaeology of institutions that would lead us to a level of knowledge and awareness mm -hmm. that will allow us to not do the things that are a knee-jerk reaction like you said Wendy being the first to speak in the meeting yeah. I, I, I would want to see us engage more in archaeology of self knowing thyself loving thyself archaeology of institutions Miriam all the things you talked about in terms of understanding white racial identity and, mm -hmm. and white and all of that for the benefit mm -hmm. of moving in a very different way. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Ashe. Yeah. Mm. I think like that for me feels so it's the consciousness raising, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's for, it's for, 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 for many of us, it's answering the question, am I crazy? No, here's what's happening, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that is, the pathway out. That's what I think about when I think about courses, to be quite honest with you all. It's like, how do we show the map in the, the landscape? And that actually you, you're not by yourself. We got five other people doing it too. So you're fine. And yeah. there is a way to navigate because, you know, the reality is, is that, you know, in this conversation, I know that when we talk about the experiences of black women, we're talking about also a number of other minority, minoritized um, and disenfranchised groups as well, that a lot of what is learned around how to treat, how to mistreat others happened with us first. Isabel Wilkins's book, Cast, really is so profound for naming that just from a historical record that yeah. the Nazis learned how to do what they did by watching what happened with enslaved Africans yeah. on these shores, right? Yeah. So, and they thought that some of it was too much in Jim Crow. They thought too much, Jim Crow was a little too much. So, so there's that, but I also, so just knowing, wanting to really name and in, 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 in being inclusive in that way and also in the ways in which identity is complex and intersectional. Yeah. Um, and that we really have, I think, a real core opportunity and responsibility for as black women um, to name and state a thing because by virtue of when we take pride of place for being some of the least respected, <laughs> least protected, is that mm -hmm. we actually have a moral authority in the position of those seats, not to romanticize, but just to say a thing. And Ooh. so in that space then comes the thing for us re-articulating what is a vision for uh, expansive, liberatory, joyful work. Wow. Yeah. Because we still do find meaning for ourselves in the works that, you know, we are all spiritual beings, droplets from one divine source and are here to do particular things, calling and responding to our calling of our gifts to manifest here. And that gets distorted in this mess. Oh, yeah. And so what I'm the refusal for me is really refusing your distortion of my gifts. Wow. God given gifts are not yours to exploit. You don't have unfettered access and you don't get to say how I use it. I say how I use it. That is, and I think all of that without also falling into the opposite end of this like really crazy responsive narcissism, right? That can happen because we we have to try to be so many other things that we, um, and are trying to be responsive to so many put downs that then we overinflate where we actually just are. Mm-hmm. This back and forth, the hyper invisibility, the hyper visibility. Can I just be right here? And I think that there's a way of being right here with your gift and right here with your presence and with, with the magic that we all are given some to spread out here. But mm -hmm. I really do think that there's a way of speaking into this space around what is liberation? What is liberatory praxis 
for Black women, Black women in leadership in particular? Um, and what are then the ways that other folks who I know are watching, because they tell me they're watching me, and they're not just other Black women, a lot they're watching because they know, similar to how we watched our mothers, because I learned a lot about leadership from my mother, auntie, auntie and grandmother as well, and how to move, mm -hmm. um, despite people trying to clip those wings. That's what you learned. You know, that there are other people watching that too, because maneuvering with that is different than maneuvering if you are, you know, um, the white guy at the front of the room. I interviewed somebody for my podcast yesterday and she said, sitting in the back, and she also called up her grandmother and mother, sitting in the back of the room where nobody's calling on you, you see the whole thing. And so you know how to move in that space versus when you're sitting in the front of a room and you don't know what's going on and everybody's calling on you. You don't even know about these other landmines and dynamics. And that's where I think training at the School of Stronger, Faster, Smarter does for you because mm -hmm. you just have skills and strategy that other people have not, they don't even know about that. They don't even know about those kind of landmines. They have no idea. Right. They have no idea. The power of being at the margin where you can yes. enter in a different way. And I, yes. I think the author, I want to say Olga. Anyway, many years ago, I came across this book, you know, from center to margin. Yes. Right. Of saying that, oh, we want to be at the center. We don't want to be on the margin. You know, the margin gives you a bad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Final Thank words, you. final thoughts gratitude. Oh. <laughs> Deep gratitude. In yeah. fact, I bow to you, Miriam, and I bow to you, Wendy, deeply. A deep bow mm. for your wisdom and your brilliance and your love. Thank you mm. so much for inviting me into this conversation. Oh, thank you. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and I think for me, the final thoughts are... Um, community I think if, if I had one word right that we can't do this work we've never done this work alone right the work of, of refusal um, and even recovery and so just reminding us especially when we are often in spaces and places we're the first or the only that we have to intentionally be in community and not forget the strategies that mm -hmm. our ancestors taught us and that is one of them so for me, right, this space as well, right, being in community to help uh, hold one another and have this conversation, but certainly for others, right, that reminder for me has been uh, essential in my ability to not just survive, but mm -hmm. thrive, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, final words for me is, you know, obviously I have to do this course. Thank you again. But truly, I'm, I will, I will. Um, but truly and, 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 and seriously, it is to lift up the names of the women who inspired this conversation. Joanne A. Epps, who was former president of Temple University and Dr. Arinthia T. Montague, who was the president of Volunteer State Community College. Um, their, the story of their loss of life, frightened, upset, a lot of us. I, I got a lot of texts. I got a lot of messages and people forwarding me to articles. And, you know, it startled us. I think it was a very loud call to the fact that we cannot go on as we have been going on. Mm -hmm. And so I really want to name, just articulate and, and, and lift up their names and gratitude for their life and gratitude for an attention that we can give to them and to the two of you for the space that we make to reflect you know, um, we are a few months out and this um, this will be shared, you know, in the new year, 
but I wanted to, and it felt important to actually have space to digest what happened and to do so in a way that could allow me to reflect on what it meant to me for me, but also what it meant, what it means to us for us. And so doing that in community with the two of you, because the community is so critical, it's just been such an incredible blessing. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Yeah. Okay.